views expressed on this broadcast of Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety with Dr. Alan Berger do not necessarily reflect those of Take 12 Radio, KHLT Recovery Broadcasting, or our affiliates. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, Dr. Alan Berger and the Monty Man. And welcome, friends and family, those of you in recovery, those of you who are advocates of, and perhaps even a few of you who should be, welcome to another fine broadcast of Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety with myself and, of course, the hipster of hip, the swagger of swag, the official ESG of Recovery Radio. That stands for Emotional Sobriety Guru, in case you didn't know. Dr. Alan Berger. Hey, Dr. Berger. How you doing, my friend? Money, you've got way too much time on your hands. I've been told that. I've been told that. I... Once again, uh, and and we can pretty much be assured of this, listeners, uh, when we talk to our friend Dr. Alan Berger, he is uh, either at the beginnings of, in the midst of, or getting ready to uh, depart from uh, some form of recovery work, and uh, most recently uh, at uh, either Hazelden or at the Betty Ford Center, and once again, we're talking to him while he's on the road. Uh, how often do you get home? Well, it, it's it's pretty misleading. It's somehow when our radio show falls, I just so happen to be at Barrage, the Betty Ford Center. We've done several of our shows recently. And well, look, the exciting thing about doing that is that I get to invite some great guests on the show that are out here. Yes. Tonight is no exception to that, Monty. I'm just really excited that we have uh, are joined by Bob Newton. Uh, Bob is one of the directors out at the Betty Ford Center. I'll let him tell you about himself in a minute here. But, but you know, it's just great to be out here with the folks at the Betty Ford Center because, you know, we're doing some training. It's a great training. The staff is really, really taking to it and really, you know, taking the things that we're talking about and using them in their groups with patients. And it just does my heart good to see that I'm making a bit of a difference out here. You, you bet. And, that, and that's that's so wonderful. There's so many wonderful people out there uh, doing so, so much uh, for uh, the recovery community. So so Bob Newton is our, our guest with you uh, this week uh, or on this show. Uh, and, and so, Bob, you said Bob is the director of Residential Day uh, Treatment at Betty Ford? Let's introduce him. Hey, Bob, yeah. why don't you say hi to our uh, listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself and what you do over at the center. Well, thank you, Alan and Monty. It's great to be here on your on your radio show. And, and uh, as Alan mentioned, we did have another great session with Dr. Berger today, uh, emotional sobriety for our staff. And and uh, we, we deeply appreciate uh, every time Alan comes out here. Uh, I've been with the Betty Ford Center about 13 years, and uh, I'm currently the director of residential day treatment. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, uh, I've, I've worked in the field for about since about 1986 for a variety of other uh, facilities, but as I said, I've been here for about the last 13 years. I'm very happy with uh, our progress here at the Betty Ford Center, integrating with uh, Hazelin Hazelin Treatment Center from Minnesota, and we got a lot going on. And 
trying to help patients get well, stay in recovery. Um, my, uh, my path to recovery, I was an NFL player for 11 years um, wow. with the Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks after a collegiate career at the University of Nebraska, and I was released from the Seahawks in September of 1982, and July 12th of 1983, I entered a treatment center in uh, Monroe, Washington, uh, diagnosed as a late-stage alcoholic drug addict at, at age 33. <clears throat> and thankfully, Alan and I were, were so I saw a, a red flag, a red, you know, the lights came on when mm-hmm. I was in treatment. I was really afflicted with an addiction, with a disease. It was chronic, and I wasn't going to get rid of it. I had to learn how to get stay sober yeah. and manage this, and manage this uh, on a daily basis. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, amen for that. And you, and you, besides just getting clean and sober, you're living a life that is right in the middle of the mess in many ways. But providing the solution for so many, uh, how did you? How did you end up doing that? You know, when I was in treatment, I, you know, I was an offensive lineman, in NFL offensive lineman are kind of like service workers. We, we do, a lot of, <laughs> you know, we do a lot of stuff with little recognition. And in fact, the only time my name was called on the loudspeakers when I got caught for holding or I was offside. So. You know, it was, uh, you know, that's, so the, the notoriety was, you know, when I was in treatment, that just some passions kind of initiated that I wanted to, because I felt so happy I found a solution I just kind of wanted to pass on. It, it just ignited a little fire like that. Hmm. And, and so it, and then I eventually went to school and got my credentials and, and started on the path officially. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and so you you've worked in the field for for a long time, uh, uh, thirteen years at, at Betty Ford, and, and and we know that there's some things going on at Betty Ford that you've been a part of, um, as far as uh, I don't want to use the word uh, uh, fixing any problems, but but you've actually enhanced uh, what has uh, was already there. True. I, I missed that question a little bit, Monty. Uh, yeah, what, what, what are you saying? Um, the air conditioner just came out in our room. We're dying out here in the desert. Yeah, okay. <laughs> on a, a little sweat lodge. <laughs> right. But what, what he said, Bob, is that he wanted to, to talk to you a little bit about the changes you've made over in RDT and, oh. and the quality of that program now. Because since I've been here, I've seen you really, really improve things and and you've just got a great process going with the counselors and with the patients. And so Monty was saying, what were, what's some of your philosophy over there, and how did you do that? Well, well thanks, Alan. Um, you know, I've been, you know, I've, I've worked, I've, I've been in groups. I've, I've been a counselor most of my, my uh, career life. And so I've had that experience to base, to base some of the changes we've made over there and how important the counselor and the patient relationship is in the therapeutic uh, connection, engagement, and, and treatment. So, you know, as Alan said earlier, I just try to get down to basics, and I revised our schedule a little bit. And, in fact, I added a group called Emotional Sobriety that we address, you know, different issues on a weekly basis in there with our patients. And, and uh, you know, they really, they really are engaged with it um, and, and just how it relates to staying clean and sober and how it relates to, uh, you know, a 
loving yourself, forgiving yourself mm-hmm. through the shame that comes with addiction. And I got a great staff there. You know, they've, they've been very willing, and uh, I've known a lot of them for a long time, so they've all stepped up to the plate, and, and they've all been very willing to follow and have some willingness to make the changes that we made. And, and uh, so we got a good foundation and platform there. And, you know, I, one thing I really like doing is when I, I do action interviews with the patients, and, you know, the patients are telling me, you know, that they, they've had a really valuable experience, and that that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. yeah. All of them, but, you know, a lot of them. The disease is still very present, and, in, in, uh, you know, as you know, in our communities, and, and we see we see patients still still struggling with uh, accepting their addiction and doing something about it. So we just try real hard to work with them, educate them, and, and work with them in groups to bring them along. It's a process for sure. Well, I, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, we we've actually been doing on our Wednesday show, uh, which is a real faith based uh, focused show. Uh, we've been doing a, a whole thing on guilt and shame, and, and, and uh, this last week we 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 covered shame. And, and uh, Bob, I I just finished reading a book uh, called Grace to Shame by John A. Forrester, and one of the things he says was uh, guilt uh, seeks forgiveness, but shame seeks acceptance. And uh, you know, and Dr. Berger knows this because we've talked at length about. Um, you know, here I grew up in a in a family that was was very functional, very healthy. Everybody did all the right things. I went to Bible college and seminary, and and had straight A's, and and was active. I'm an Eagle Scout, da 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 da, and all that stuff that's gone right. Can you imagine? And I didn't even realize this, but can you imagine the amount of shame based language I told myself. Something's got to be oh, wrong with me, right? Because everything else was right. Sure. Yeah, sure. And that's a big deal with with people in recovery, is it not? Oh, oh yeah. I think that's uh, you know most patients come, either they come in with a lot of shame or they come in with uh, shamelessness where they're, they're right. covering it up with arrogance and grandiosity and oh, wow. so forth. So, yeah, it, but it's, it's still, this comes from the same problem. Right. Right. Well, congratulations on the, on the work you're doing and, uh, thank you so much, uh, for what you're doing. Uh, the kind of work that you do, Dr. Berger does and many others, uh, is is many times goes without the appropriate uh, appreciation. So we want to make sure that we we let our listeners know how much we appreciate what you're doing, Bob. Well, and let me acknowledge this too, Monty, is that Bob has started one of the first emotional sobriety groups in treatment. I mean, he really has. I mean, I've been doing this for a while, and uh, the Hazelton Betty Ford Center is one of the first facilities to really dedicate a whole group to this issue of emotional sobriety and Mm. kudos for them man because uh, it's just going to increase the quality of care good amazing yeah i mean it's you know i mean alan's been out here for about what nine months now pretty on a regular on on a monthly basis so you know our staff has been through some very very excellent training and if, if we can't teach patients on how to you know, forgive themselves and work through their issues and so forth. You know, the the dry drunk syndrome is mm. the reality. You know, mm-hmm. this emotional sobriety is so critical that we 
so they can have some contentment and peace in their life and, and like themselves. You bet. You bet. Well, right on. Good, good, good stuff. Great stuff. Well, thank you for joining joining us uh, for, for this show. Uh, Bob Newton, Director of Residential uh, Day Treatment at Betty Ford in uh, Rancho uh, Mirage. Is it Mirage or Mirage? Mirage. Mirage yeah, at Mirage, Rancho Mirage, California. All right. So, Dr. Berger, what's the next smart thing? Well, listen, you know, we've been unpacking these different things that people need to do to be able to stay centered, to keep their emotional center of gravity within themselves. You know, we talked about in our last show about developing, a, you know, a healthy attitude towards your emotions and towards dealing with your feelings. Well, tonight's show is about appreciating what is. And this is such a powerful powerful way of keeping yourself centered. It's interesting. I have a patient that I've been doing this work with, and he said, you know, Dr. Berger, what I've been learning is that when I came in the program, I was self-centered. And he goes, you're teaching me how to be self-centering. Oh, good. Isn't that a good one? Big difference. I'm, yeah. That, that he's learning how to center himself so that he can take care of himself, like Bob said, to deal with some of these emotions that knock us off balance and to find a way to recover our balance. Um, you know, it's interesting. I often use the analogy, and Bob would be able to speak to this as an offensive lineman, is if he doesn't have his balance, if his emotional or his physical center of gravity is not well over his feet, he's going to be knocked on his camp <laughs> out there on the field. A defensive player is going to knock him all over. But if he keeps his center of gravity, then he's able to do his job on the field. Right, Bob? And you guys practice that a lot. I'm sure is how to keep that physical center of gravity. Well, you know, nobody, nobody's taught us how to keep our emotional center of gravity. How do you do that? You know, how do I keep myself firmly planted over my feet, keep myself grounded so I'm not easily knocked off balance? I mean, we can all be knocked off balance, you know, as, as good as Bob was, and he's, you know, uh, one of the is many gotten many awards as an offensive lineman. You know, in college, you're in the Hall of Fame, aren't you now, Bob? Yeah, the Nebraska Hall of Fame. Nebraska yeah. Hall of Fame. So I mean, you've got to be quite a player because Nebraska's put out a few good football teams in there in sure. the days, right? And will continue to do. So you know, he knew about that, and he knew. But he, as good as he was, he could get knocked off balance too. So what we're not, what we're saying, Monty, is that. We're not trying to tell people that you're going to do this perfectly. And once you learn this stuff, that you're not going to run into something that's going to knock you off balance. That's going to happen. But what we want people to do is learn how to recover their balance as soon as possible. Yeah. If they can learn how to recover their balance, then they develop what we call is resilience. And resilience is, the, is your ability to go ahead and get knocked off balance and then as quickly as possible, recover your emotional center of gravity so that you're back in balance. And this appreciating what is, is really what that's all about, Monty, is, is people need to be able to look at a situation and not have the reaction like, I wish this wasn't happening to me. Yeah. You know, this shouldn't be going on, um, you know. You know, why me kind of stuff and starting to have a pity party. Pity parties are dangerous for us, man. I mean, so <coughs> what is, is to is the way I do it is to say that, look, what's happening, um, 
is happening, and my job is to see how I can best respond to this situation. And later on in the show, I'll give you an example of a situation that my wife and I confronted when we were doing some genetic testing with uh, our daughter, um, who was going to be coming in the world, and some news that we had to deal with. But, you know, before I do that, do we need to take a break, Monty? Are we close to that? Uh, we're, yeah, we're about there, so let's let's go ahead and do that. Folks, you don't want to go away. Uh, more with Dr. Ellen Berger and Bob Newton. Uh, appreciating what is and recovering your emotional center of gravity when we return. Don't go away. Hey, you got something to say? Are you looking for the best and most affordable way to broadcast your podcast? Well, Podomatic makes reaching a massive audience simple with free podcasts, customizable embedded players, and promotional tools. It's home to the world's largest directory of independent podcasters, including DJs, talk shows, educational programs, and so much more. Best of all, a basic account is absolutely free, and no special skills are required to set up your show. To broadcast your podcast, visit www.podomatic.com. That's P-O-D-O-M-A-T-I-C dot com. And let the world hear what you've got to say. Hey, check it out. You can now access all of our shows from a variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Podomatic, and Player FM. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio, and you'll be tuned into the best in recovery broadcast journalism. Also available at Take12Radio.com. Hi, this is Laura C., and you've tuned in to Take12Radio.com on your internet dial, the home of recovery, talk radio, and positive music. All right, and welcome back, and, uh, and thank you for joining us uh, here on Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety with Dr. Alan Berger, our special guest. Uh, this uh, During this show is uh, Betty Ford's own Bob Newton, Director of Residential Day Treatment at Betty Ford in uh, Rancho Mirage, California. And we're talking about uh, appreciating what is. So, Dr. Berger, let's, let's uh, pick up where we left off. Well, I'll say a few things about it, and then I'll let Bob, you know, share whatever thoughts he has about not just on this topic about what is, but whatever he, his thoughts are on emotional sobriety. You know, we'll give him a free hand since he's such a special guest on our show. Oh, you betcha. But let me just share this story that I had with my wife, and then uh, and then we'll invite Bob to, to talk a little bit about this topic in general. So my wife and I, um, my daughter now is 14 months. So about, I would say, oh, over a year and a half ago, um, longer, maybe, um, you know, 20 months ago, something like that, we went through a series of testing. My wife was a postdoc um, at UCLA, and we were having the child in the uh, birthing center at UCLA, and they have this program where every family goes through a series of genetic testing because they're trying to help people. If your child is going to have a birth defect, they want you to know ahead of time what the problem is, and they want to start to you know, develop resources and ways for families to cope with it so they're not so caught off guard, right, and yeah. knocked off balance by the situation. So she went through, they took a bunch of blood, and they ran every known genetic test they could on her. 
And, you know, we expected that she was going to be fine and nothing was going to come back. Well, we go to the, uh, you know, pre-pregnancy exam one day, and she is told, you know, you have a gene for this disease that if, if your daughter ends up having it, and she will have a much higher chance of getting it if your husband has the same, you know, recessive gene, hmm. that she's going, she probably, if she gets the worst case, she'll live a year and a half. Oh, my gosh. Best case, she'll live until she's about in her mid-teens. Wow. Well, you can imagine what that did to her, Monty. Knocked her off balance. I mean, she's crying. I had left because the nurses hadn't seen the results. They talked to her about it afterwards. She called me. I turned around, obviously went back to the hospital, and we sat there, and she started to go into what this thing meant and what it was about. And before you know it, we're sitting there, and we're both crying. Because now I've got to take the test, and if I'm positive, my little girl Maddie would have had over a 25% chance of having this illness. That's pretty high, man. Yeah. High, right? That's wow. That's a lot. I mean, that's one out of four. Right. Scary. Right. It's scary. So I, I give my blood, and it's going to take three weeks, three to four weeks before we find out. Oh, my word. Testing is that involved. So that night we go home, and you can just imagine that, we're, you know, I'm devastated. Jesse's devastated. We're crying. We're anxious. What is this going to mean? How are we going to deal with this? And we couldn't get our balance back. Emotionally, we were knocked off our feet, man. I imagine it would be like going against Bob if I was a defensive end trying to come in to tackle the quarterback. You know, he would have knocked me flat on my butt. <laughs> well, that's what happened. I was knocked on my butt. She was knocked on our butt. And I kept thinking to myself, well, look, I've, we've been talking about this. I'm doing a radio show with Monty on emotional sobriety. What's happening that I am having so much trouble? I've got to find a new perspective. And then it came to me, Monty. So what? So let's say the worst-case scenario, she's got this illness. Uh-huh. What I'm going to do is I'm going to decide to love her a lifetime in a year and a half, if that's all I get. Right. If I get 17 years... I'll love her a lifetime in 17 years. It's not going to matter what happens to her because I'm going to love her no matter what. I'm not going to let the situation determine my response to it. And then I had the other idea that for Maddie, that's going to be her reality. She's not going to know anything different. Yeah. She's going to come to the world, and that's just going to be what her reality is, and we'll make her reality the best that we can make it. And we'll love her a ton. And you know what? As soon as Jesse and I talked about that, it was done. We stopped crying. There was no more anxiety. We both recovered our emotional center of gravity. And now we were going to deal with whatever was going to happen because what we were doing was not going to depend on what was going to happen because we were going to still be committed to being as good a parents as we can be, whatever the situation may be. And I'm telling you, Monty, you know, this stuff isn't just theoretical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was able to sleep the next night, put my head down on the pillow and go to sleep. The night I heard the news, I couldn't sleep. I was up all night and with a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear about what was going to happen. But as soon as I said, okay, so if that's what is, how do I deal with it? So here's the key that we want our listeners to hear, right? The problem is not what's happening in our life. It's how we deal with it. 
you you said something. You said you said don't let your situation determine your response to it. That's right. That I needed to to get centered in what was true about me. Yeah, I was very excited about being a dad. I want to love this child. I want this child to feel welcome in the world. I can do that regardless of what happens. Wow. That that's not dependent on the situation. That's dependent on my heart and my you know relationship with that child, on my spirit, on my attitude. And yeah. I'm telling you, man, that's what I'm saying. This is not theoretical stuff. Right. If right. you do that, you center yourself, you can deal with anything, and that's the promise Bill gives us. <laughs> if we really work on this emotional sobriety, we can stay centered. We can grow no matter regardless of what happens in our life. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't yeah. hurt. It doesn't mean that it doesn't sting. It 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 no, means like I said, I was yeah. knocked off balance. You bet. On the way to recover our balance, but yeah. look, the good news is, is freedom is possible. Yeah. And freedom means not being held hostage by situations. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> and it's for me to be able to guide my behavior with some principles that I've learned about this new way of life. Okay, so the listeners are the, the listeners are waiting with bated breath here. They want to know. So, what was the outcome? Well, so the outcome was I got tested and I didn't have the gene. So now the chances of Maddie having it are kind of like one out of twenty five hundred or something like right. that. Right. So it changed, and Maddie was born, and she's uh, just a healthy, darling, lovely child. But regardless of how she was going to be born, we were going to love her as much as we're loving her today, if not more. And because of the truth that was. That that was the, that's the situation. That's my personal experience, and yeah. and I'm you know I'm so glad to be able to share it with listeners. Because if you're out there struggling with a situation, the problem is not the situation you're in; it's how you're coping with. Oh well, yeah, and the truth of the matter is, we're only a heartbeat away anyway. We don't we don't know what what's going to happen when we walk out the front door in the morning. Well, that's that's right. We want to think we have some. I know <laughs> we control some of these, and we can't, but. But, you know, let's open this up for Bob. Yeah. You know, Bob's got, you know, he's been around a few days in this program. And, you know, what are, what are your thoughts about this whole emotional sobriety stuff? Well, and, and if you want to react to my story, that's fine. Well, that, Alan, that was a powerful, powerful personal story of, of how you worked through that. And, you know, you you came to that conclusion, I'm going to love her no matter what, you know. And, you know, I remember that love overcomes everything. And... You got to, you know, I say you got to some acceptance, you know, and you know, Bill W's always said it, his, or that that great piece in the Big Book about if there's something I'm going to be agitated if there's something happening in my life and I can't get to that process of acceptance, and that's kind of what I got. And you, but the word love has such 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 power for you that you know that you can handle it. And, you know, for me, it's just I've always had gratitude, gratitude, an attitude of gratitude for my opportunity to get sober. You know, and to stay sober because I, I know a lot of people out there. It's, it's it doesn't. You know, they they miss something or they they don't take it serious enough. But so that that's how I see that piece is, is just gratitude and. Someone gave a lecture when I was in treatment, and he said, you know, you don't see people relapse when they got a lot of gratitude, usually, you know. And mm. So that, that's a powerful word in my in my recovery capital that I like to use, because we heard a great session a couple, a 
month or two ago from Alan on recovery capital and just things that that you know the value of our recovery and we're you know when we are having these things and we get knocked off balance we can go to our recovery capital to get us back you know I've been through some tough situations sobriety worked through it through the program with friends sponsors and in therapy and and uh, to get me back balanced you know and uh, so that was that was a powerful powerful story though Ellen thank you yeah, no, that really was it, it was it really was you know it was that that experience of this these these are not just ideas right that this way of life really works you know when we plug it in and we start to discover these new possibilities like you know you and I know that would have never been on the horizon. If I was drinking in union, what would my response have been to that? Where would you have found me that night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be out, right? I'd be yeah. out drunk, out of my mind. That'd be how I'd cope with it, is to not cope with it. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, that's right. what I would be doing. I'd be running away, trying to, to, to avoid the feelings I was having. And, you know, what we're learning now in this program, which I'm so grateful for, and that's a, a wonderful word, Bob, because gratitude is another way to center yourself, isn't it? Instead of looking at what isn't, right, is looking at what, what is. What do we have here? And no matter what's happening in this situation, even in the darkest moments, there's something to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And this is a piece of work I do with patients because it's funny that you bring this up because if I'm working with resentment, the first thing I'll say to somebody is, so, all right, so say to that person what you resent. So they'll say, all right, well, I resent you for not, you know, um, being recognizing my birthday. And then I say, all right, well, now let's reveal what the demand is behind the resentment, because there's always a demand behind every one of our resentments. So then they say, well, I demand that you make everything that goes on in my life the most important thing for you. <laughs> you know, and that's then the other person will laugh at it like that. Yeah. In, the third, in terms of really being able to resolve the resentment, is to say what you appreciate about what the person didn't do that helped you grow up. So that is, is to say that, look, even though you didn't recognize my birthday, you know, it helps me realize that that it's really important to me and that there's going to be things that happen in our relationship and what you do or don't do isn't the issue. It's how we deal with it with each other. So you're, you're giving me an opportunity to practice some forgiveness here. And see, and when we use that formula to deal with a resentment, the gratitude is what really integrates the experience, right? It gives us that chance to really put things together in a different way. So I'm so glad you mentioned that because we haven't talked enough about that, have we, Money? No, no. We, have I told we have... how grateful I am for you lately, Money? Uh, not, not lately because I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. Right, well, but... <laughs> let me tell you, Money, I am so grateful for you because you're the Money Man. And I was telling Bob before we got on this show just all of the hard work that you've gone through, brother. And I know you've put out a word now, and I'm going to embarrass you because you've asked people to, you know, help continue to support this show and to make donations. And I know that's not easy for you to do. No. <laughs> for you to ask for help like that, and you're, you're not going to keep working on this because I'm so glad you did it. <laughs> you deserve the support. And you deserve to be able to ask your listeners to help you with this. And I plan to make a donation, as I told you. You know, don't cash that million-dollar check I'm going to be sending you for at least 35 years. <laughs> 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 no, all kidding aside, I'm going to be sending you a donation because 
I love what you're doing. I love how you do it, and I love who you are, brother. And I'm grateful for you. Well, I and I appreciate, and you know how much I appreciate you too, because because just in in the time we we've known each other for for a couple of years now, and uh, uh, you know there there's been so so many avenues of growth uh, in my life, uh, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically, uh, due to learning how to be emotionally sober, learning learning not to be emotionally dependent on other people's behavior to be okay with me. And, uh, you know, and I am so grateful that, that you know, you, you've shown me that because quite frankly, and, and this is, it, it isn't bad or good. It just is what it is. We don't hear this stuff in most of our 12-step support meetings. We just don't. It's there. There's stuff in literature that we don't get to read much anymore, uh, like Bill's letter and so forth. Uh, but we just don't get enough of it, do we? No. You know, we hear these horror stories. I've heard them off and on over the years of someone with long-term sobriety taking their lives and uh, going back to drinking or using it. You know, it's just it's just horrific. Yeah. You know, and. Um, I think that's that's part of it. They they haven't they haven't worked through some of the core issues that have been you know bothering them for for years, uh-huh. and in uh, learning how to do that, or having the having uh, the support around them to do it, or having the courage to ask for help, you know. And uh, but the, that's scary, you know. And uh, it and uh, but I think that's part of This dry drunk is a real it's a real deal. You know, my uh, my sponsor Tom was has been on the board of uh, directors with NA, has been a trustee with NA for a long time, and one of the things that he said when they did a survey is that when long timers go out, they often commit suicide. They don't come back. Yeah, you know, because of all these issues we're talking about, is that somehow they they feel so much shame. Right about the fact, God, I had all this time and I lost, and how am I ever going to feel good about myself again? And you know what we tell people all the time: it's not about your time; it's about today. Right? You know, all we got is today when we wake up. But you know, we start to to have these numbers, and we start to throw out, "Hey, how many years you sober?" As though really that means something. It does, but it doesn't. You know, it's one of those right. weird things. You right, know? right. It means something, but it really doesn't mean right. anything. Right. Well, that's important is what you have right now, yeah. right? Not what you had yesterday. That's great. But if yep. you don't have it today, it doesn't, it's meaningless. You know, it's that kind of a weird thing. So, you know, it, it's such a good thing that, that hopefully, Monty, what's going to happen is that, and I think it's starting, the next frontier is starting to catch some movement in the program. You know, I hope I've had a little bit to do with it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are rediscovering Bill's letter from 1956 and really starting to unpack that. You know, in fact, let me give a plug. If, if the listeners want to, to hear a CD I've done on this topic, they can download it in iTunes or on Amazon and MP3, and it's called Unpacking Bill Wilson's Letter, you know, on emotional sobriety. So there's people like myself and other people that are really trying to get this word out, like Bob starting the group, this emotional sobriety group. His patients are going to be leaving treatment and going to be carrying some of those ideas with them out into the community. 
Well, look, that's how we create a change, you know, what Bob's doing, what you and I are doing on this show. You know, those are the things that start to make a difference, and I'm excited about it because I think it's really going to add to the quality of people's recovery. Well, I'm glad patients, we're, we're teaching patients there's a difference from being, there's a difference about sobriety and just not drinking and using, you know, and mm-hmm. by teaching them that they have a real quality sobriety in their life that they can uh, you know, cherish and keep working on versus just, you know, putting the plug in the jug and going to meetings but still angry, resentful, and, and controlling. And so... Yeah, yeah, and, and that's sure. an, and that's an issue, Bob. That's an issue that that we we have been dealing with for for years within our perspective uh, respective twelve step fellowships. Is we've become so meeting dependent, so sponsor dependent, and even step dependent that we forget what the steps and the program are trying to show us. Uh, that that we miss the boat. Yeah, it's about living, right? It's about, yeah. you know, because we see that. And you look, and I was guilty about this at a time. I'd sound great in a meeting. You bet. I'd go out, and I would act so shitty in my relationship. <laughs> yeah. I would do all the opposite stuff that I said I was doing so great in a meeting. And, it, you know, it's back to that thing about practicing these principles in all our affairs. That's what emotional sobriety. If you practice these principles in all your affairs, you're going to have emotional sobriety. That's right. Yeah, that, that, that reminds me. I I know when I first got in the program, I'd be in a meeting, and this this old timer say, "You know, if you want what I got, you know." And I'm saying, "Nah, nope, not right now." That's right. Man. I could tell they were they were just so uh, unhappy, yeah, miserable, miserable. Yeah, yeah, I often, I, I often wonder. I often wonder. I often wonder was one of these one of these really grumpy guys. You know, says, "Ah, shut up and sit down. You have nothing to say." I'm like, "What are you afraid to hear?" Right. Y- y- you know. Uh, I love all those people that I knew in early sobriety, and you know, I I think about them. But you know, it was just. But I think I think Alan's. This, hopefully, this is a new frontier that that we can get to and sustain. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So look at another great show with you, Monty. Yes. Once again, um, fantastic. If people want to learn more about this, please check out my book, 12 Smart Things to Do When the Booze and Drugs Are Gone. It's all about emotional sobriety. You know, start to dig into that. Start to look at these issues. And and I really want you to hear this, is if you do, you're going to start to develop some tools, some ways of dealing with life that are going to help you learn how to handle situations that used to baffle you. You bet. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's realizing promises of the program. And, and, and folks, uh, and I am going to uh, jump on the bandwagon there, what uh, Dr. Berger said a minute ago. If you would like to donate uh, to see this show as well as other shows continue here at Take 12 Radio, it's very easy to do. You can go down to the bottom of any of our pages. There's a donate button right there. You'll get a receipt uh, from uh, PayPal. We'll say you don't have to have a PayPal account. And we'll take any credit card. There's also you can you can write a check or a money order. You can do whatever you want to. Uh, and here's the thing: no, no amount is is too small. You know, there's there's a story in the Good Book about uh, a guy who just gave a, or a gal who just gave a penny. And they, they give the example, you know, Dr. Berger, you know, here was the rich guy who gave you know millions, and here's this gal that gave a penny. Who who gave the most? 
Well, it was the one that gave the penny because she gave all she had. So, so you know, uh-huh. p- please, folks, w- you know, don't think, well, I only have a dollar. We got a guy, Dr. Berger, we got a guy, uh, Mar- Marco, and we've talked about him on this show before. He has an automatic uh, withdrawal of $5 he sends us every single month. And he's he's been doing that for months now. Um, you know, we just, we appreciate that so, so very much, uh, listeners. We really, really do. And, uh, we, we just, we, we don't have a show unless you guys are tuning in. So here's the thing. Word of mouth is the best thing. Please let everybody know we have, we're all over social media. We got every social media network site sewed up out there for Take 12 Radio. So uh, you can visit us on Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and LinkedIn and I don't know how many other ones. Um, and, and this is very possibly one of the most important broadcasts we do here at Take 12 Radio, this emotional sobriety piece. Uh, it really is, folks. Uh, you, you don't want to miss out on the wonderful things that your creator has for you when you learn uh, really what emotional sobriety is all about and how to recover from your emo- recover your emotional center of gravity, appreciating what is. Uh, you guys, thank you so much. Bob, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for having Alex. A- absolutely. Thank you, Dr. I appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Berger. Dr. Alan Berger, you can visit his website at abphd, uh, at, or excuse me, dot com. You can email him at abphd. Uh, at msn.com or follow the links here at Take 12 Radio. A special uh, thank you to our guest, uh, Bob Newton, Director of Residential Day Treatment at the Betty Ford Center in uh, Rancho Mirage, California. It's been a very, very, very healthy, good, and productive show. My friends, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man, along with Dr. Berger and our special guest, Bob Newton. We're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.